pressing the keys, pumping the bellows, and there you go. The ladies will run towards you. It's October 26, 2022, and this is Rare Encounter, encounter number 120, and just dying for a baguette. I'm Abel Kirby. And failing my way to success, I'm Cold Acid. <laughs> we are! Man, some people fail their way to success, but did you see this lady? I sent you this story. The lady who fell in the mixer? Yeah, so it turns, so, you know what I, you know what I thought when, when I read about this? You thought it was the secret sauce. Actually, actually, I was thinking in South Korea, the secret ingredient is people. Is you. Oh, that sounds like a bad ad from like the Sizzler or something. Our secret ingredient is you. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is this Korean lady who died in the factory. Yeah, I know. The Paris baguette uh, incident. The South Korean consumers have urged a boycott of Paris baguette, which is a bakery, after a 23-year-old employee was operating a, quote, sauce mixing machine on a graveyard shift. And she became the sauce. Well, it was a graveyard shift, but it was more graveyard in more ways than one because she got pulled into the appliance and it crushed her body and she was found in the machine the next day dead. Now, the first thing that I think of is why the fuck when you've got like this kind of heavy fucking equipment that can do this kind of thing, is anyone permitted to work solo at any time? Yeah, it's a uh, pretty classic. Uh, I, I'm 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 fairly certain that even in the states, that kind of working condition would be like illegal under like osha yeah it's a pretty big finding you know anything that could uh that could hurt you sometimes even stuff like large freezers and ovens and stuff like that you could get trapped inside if you're working alone those can be an issue too you shouldn't be inside those without someone backing you up checking on you making sure you're not like in the uh in the bake in the the kiln before it gets turned on uh yeah exactly dangerous stuff can happen there but this is said i will still make dark jokes about it but I mean, that's because I'm a twisted, sick individual. So what, what I want what I do. I want to know what kind of sauce this was because what kind of sauce do you put on a baguette? You know, you know what kind of sauce it became? <laughs> a meat sauce. Oh no! So it went from French to Italian, is what you're saying? Hi-oh! <laughs> oh god! All right. So uh, now that we're disrespecting the dead. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's, let me just close this up. There's a boycott going on in Korea against this parent company of the Perez Bolget, uh, which is a chain that I've never heard of. And, uh, they're saying that there is, well, there's a lot of problems with this. She shouldn't have been working alone. And, uh, they think that they need better working conditions. So. Well, no shit. I, she definitely should not have been working alone. The, the response to it um, though, I think is what kicked off the boycott. It was, so first it was that she uh she died on the job in a really a horrific way you can just describe it it's uh queasy but then the company was uh kind of nonchalant about it and they uh were callous and didn't react the way everyone thought that they should so um, from this vice article that you that you sent me just a week before the unnamed woman died at work an employee's hand got caught in another production line machine but the company did not send the worker to the hospital for treatment because the employee wasn't a full-time worker, the Korea Times reported. Yep. And what the shit? So this is the kicker. This is my favorite or my least favorite line in here. The factory resumed production the very next day, and employees who saw and pulled their co-workers mangled body out of the machine were required to work next to the accident site. Yeah, you know what? I'd be fucking boycotting these fuckers too. Yeah, well... I think I need a drink after this one. <sighs> yeah, I, I have my I have my uh, haritos, but I mean, like this, starting off like this, I could use something stronger for sure. Well, you want the jingle? I can hit you this time. Uh, do help? you have Do you have like a deep somber version of it? If not, just like slow it down, like by five. <laughs> slow down haritos. I don't know. Maybe there could be like a dirge. A yeah, funeral. like a dirge version of it. Arito. 
interesting. We maybe we can clip that and use that. Let's see. That is not the organ that I was looking for. Oh, that says organic. No, that is a totally different sort of organ, and it is being beaten ferociously. Oh, yeah, this ferociously. is what I was looking for. Oritos. 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 There we go. How was that? Did I do a good job? Uh... I think mine was better. Oh, sure, it was. Fine. Well, I've got a um, little f new favorite, which is this BrewDog Elvis Juice, which is a grapefruit-infused IPA. and it's Elvis Juice. It's called Elvis Juice, and it's currently the that only... That sounds lewd. It's currently the only IPA that I uh, actually like. So how about that? Um, there is actually an IPA worth drinking, is what you're saying? Yeah, this one's I don't kind believe of, you. This one's kind of sweet, um, and it's not too hoppy, which I think is what turns me off for most of these things. Because um, an IPA with an actual tasty flavor? Wow, this has never been heard of. But Elvis, I'll tell you what, he invented a lot of things. Um, I'm sorry, he actually stole a lot of things from other mu earlier musicians. So I wonder what the original Elvis juice is. Do you think there's... Like an IPA that tastes just a little bit like it, but is made by someone less famous than BrewDog. Hmm, I think the I think the original Elvis juice was something enjoyed by his female groupies. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we got Elvis juice. We got Jesus juice. What other kinds of artists have juices? Do you think? I'm uh, surprised there isn't yet Kanye juice. There's a couple juice. Well, wait. You know, there is. Kanye, there are Kanye juice. Ka Kanye. But that's something totally different. Kanye uh, doesn't mix well with the juice. I think so. Let's see. No, he does not mix well with juice. Hey oh. Hey oh. Hey oh. Okay. Well, uh, we've got some stuff to talk about. I mean, while we're on the food, I just wanted to to mention one thing. I was reviewing, and before we move on to our next segment here, um, I was looking at a menu today, and it had a typo, and I just wanted to bring this up. This is the uh, Yucatan special at a particular Mexican restaurant, and it's grilled chicken, jumbo shrimp, grilled vegetables sautéed with sauce on a bed of Mexican rice. That's right, the Mexican Mex rice, Mexican. delicious Mexican rice. So Sl with cheese on sauce on top, it's <laughs> it's like it's like macaron cheese. But with, like, misspelt rice instead of the macaroni. Yeah, it's Maxicon. So there you go. This is a deceptive sandwich thing. I don't know. You kind of wrap it up. But it's not really a sandwich. It's like, um... It's not a it's sandwich like a burrito. at all. It's like a... It's a plate. Well, that's the plate, and you put it inside the, um, the, uh, tortilla. It's like a... What are ah, those called? Okay. Tacos. There you go. Is a taco a sandwich? Mm, I'd have to consult the chart. <laughs> the chart. You know, you know, there's an alignment chart of sandwiches, right? Yeah, I've seen this thing before. So it's uh, it's purity of uh, purity of fillings versus purity of form, right? As the axes in, of alignment. Uh, structure and ingredient. Yeah, there you go. So you have a pure um, form, but anarchist filling. So you say, well, it's like a it's like a sandwich, but you wouldn't a rebel. It's a rebel, you know? Yeah. Here, here we go. A structural neutral ingredient rebel. An ice cream taco is a sandwich. <laughs> a choco taco. Uh, ingredient neutral structure neutral. A hot dog is a sandwich. Mm. Structure rebel. Ingredient purist. A chicken wrap is a sandwich. St structure rebel. Ingredient neutral. A burrito is a sandwich. Now, I have a problem with some of these. So... I've always had a criteria I enjoyed, which was to decide, to detect if something's a sandwich or not. You ask yourself, would I cut this in half? And so many of these things, you would, you could put a knife on it. You could cut it in half. I don't think you'd cut a hot dog in, a, in half the, the uh, short way. And that's what I've always stuck by is my argument that a hot dog is not a sandwich. All of these things, you know, you could cut a, a submarine sandwich. You could cut a taco. You can a cut a burrito in half. I've done that. You could. A taco's a little, a little much. You definitely cut a pop tart in half. It's been done. Like if you're going to share it, but I don't know. Hot dog. I'm not sure. You can cut a hot dog in half if you're going to share it. Yeah, but you don't usually serve it that way. No, that's true. But I think everything in the chart that's shown in the chart as examples can be cut in half. Mm-hmm. And it's eaten like that. Hey, cold acid, can you think of anything that can't be cut in half? I just want to test your argument here. 
Hmm. My dick when it's diamonds. <laughs> oh God. All right. The hardest metal known to man. All right. Let, how about on that note? Let's uh, go into some some long uh, delayed boostergrams. Uh, I have some from two weeks ago and from a couple days ago that got missed. I think there were some that were missed because of nodes being down, but uh, I just want to kick off before I hand it back to you with some that you may not have. Um, uh, my node is still down, so I don't have any of them. Oh, well, I'll do them then. So uh, let's do a little spiel. So this is Rare Encounter. RareEncounter.net is a website. We're streaming live right now, and we do so every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Rare Encounter stream and on the No Agenda stream. You can listen to us there, or you can listen to past episodes. RareEncounter.net has the uh, podcast feed, or you can search us in most podcast apps. Um, the thing that we like the most is some of these newer podcast apps, modern podcast apps, because they let us do boostograms. It's a way we for like you to, our nude podcast apps. Our, here. our nude strip teasier the better. Our nude podcast apps at nudepodcastapps.com. What is it? Uh, nudepodcastapps.com. Uh, nudepodcastapps.com you can go and check those out and uh, one of the features one of many new features that are, are available in some of these podcasting 2.0 podcast apps is the ability to send us messages uh along with uh, some satoshis some bitcoin and just a little bit you know this is an old bitcoin um and we're we're talking it could be three sats you know uh we basically read everything that gets sent to us and some people did just that we had two weeks ago 33 sats from hyrenas with no note. It was just two weeks ago to Rare Encounter uh, from the Some Kind of Podcast episode. We also had 3,333 sats from Servo about a week ago, uh, boosting from CronTab. And I think this is Servo's CronTab CronJob. Uh-huh. Yep. Moving up, uh, there's a couple ones that came in today during the pre-show. We also now have a live item, so you can boost that if your app supports that some of the apps do now some of them don't yet it's all so brand new we got three sats from sir seat sitter wow three sats that's a rare encounter jason in the anthropods uh he boosted that one instead of the live one he says no this is patrick so thanks sir seat sitter um we had 8888 sats from carolyn who said polka polka cyber polka polka i think that's code <laughs> or it's polka we, Cyber polka. So thank you, Carolyn. Techno polka. We had 33,369 sats from Sir Spencer, who says, Hey, whore, I dance the polka sans pants. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you, Spencer, for that boost. The sans pants polka. I like that polka. Yes, it's a very fun polka. You can do a lot of poking with that polka. You, you sure can do a lot of poking <laughs> with that polka. We also and had... That's the way you... Go ahead. That's, that's the way it should be. That's the way, uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it. We got, that's the way, uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it. it. Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. We got 17,776 sats from Booberry, giving Abel Kirby my collection of father, son, and friends was an excellent decision. Yes, Booberry, I've been enjoying it. Uh, he's referring to some music that was definitely not shared between us. Uh, because we wouldn't transfer those MP3 files back and forth just willy nilly, so yeah, we definitely you, you wouldn't download a car. I wouldn't download a series of uh, very interesting songs from Booberry. Would you download a series of tubes? I would download a series of tubes uh, if I could then use that series of tubes to uh, to connect myself to other series of tubes. That sounds like a plan. Hmm. Um, and we had 17,776 sats from Boobery. Uh, no, he just said that. And then we had another 8,888 8, 8, sats from Carolyn, uh, one more time, who says, TIL, Monster Mash, is different than Smash or Pass. <laughs> I'm not, monster I, Pass, Monster Smash. Monster. Would you smash a monster? Smash, Mash, or Pass. Is the name of the game this Halloween? Get your pumpkin, carve it up, and that's how the judges <laughs> rate it. <laughs> mm. We did get another cash donation. Yep. If you're done with the uh, boosts, I am done. Uh, tell me what the value is. I'll tell you who the, who's the executive producer. We got seven dollars thirty-seven cents USD from Bayern Giant uh, with his weekly. Message list donation to the show. One more time, could you say seven dollars in something cents? Yeah. Seven thirty-seven cents, like an airplane. Oh yeah. Um, 
so that is great. I think I think he gets shuttled out by um, Sir Spencer. Ah. If I'm getting this right. So I think that makes Sir Spencer. So thanks, Byron G- Baron Giant. Byron Giant. Uh, it's always excellent to get the cash donations. And we do take PayPal, too. We have that still, that, that flap. That flap on our pajamas is still open. And you can put the uh, PayPal right in there. But uh, I think the, the cake after, goes through. After those burritos, it sure is flapping. <laughs> It's blowing. The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind, as Bob Dylan says. So, hey, horse, <laughs> Sir Spencer, you've made the executive producership for today. So, congratulations and thanks to everyone. Thanks to Boober and Carolyn and Sir Sitter and Sir Vo and uh, uh, everyone else. And of course, Baron Giant and Baron Giant uh, for uh, for supporting the show and giving us nice messages, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, if you want to listen to the show live, you could, of course, you can do that. And we also have a little feature. We have a troll room, a little chat room. We hang out in the Rare Encounter room at zero node, uh, irc.zeronode.net. Or if you go to our website, I, the chat is embedded next to the live. Uh, yeah, I, I finally embedded it onto the live page. Yeah, so you can pop in there and uh, chat along with us. We get some people in here. You see us. We've got uh, Carb Lanes, uh, Servo, Serpent. Serpent's always hanging out there. He's always uh, saying all kinds of stuff that we, we can riff on. Servo, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's all kind of stuff. Even Darren O and Ryan Bemrose are here, I think, uh, on this very special day for them. So, Supposedly. Supposedly. Well, let's see. Um, well, we got some stuff to talk about here. Um, I You've seen my notes. What do you have in store? I've got... I don't know. I've got pigs and I've got music. Which would you prefer first? Why don't you hit me with that music? All right. I will hit you with that music. I will start off with this. I'll start off with this clip. This is my latest invention, the Commodordion. Two C64s attached to a bellows made out of floppy disks and tape. Just as on a regular accordion, the right hand plays melodies. The left hand plays chords. The bellows control the volume. Oh. And I'll explain how that works later in the video. Yeah, so this is something that I saw recently through Hacker News. And being the sort of person that I am was immediately drawn to it. Now, I'm, I don't know anything about playing accordions, obviously. But the idea of making a digital accordion that you would play like a real one out of a couple Commodore 64s. That is, that is awesome. And yeah, like he, he built the bellows out of floppy disks taped together. (laughs) That's great. It is awesome. It looks awesome. And yeah, so you, you're holding it there, but knowing the weight of Commodore 64s, I mean, like, especially since one of them's, the original old bread box model, like you can, you need some upper body strength for that. I'm training, man. I've been training all year to play the Commodorian. Commodorian. And it, it's pretty neat. It uses so it uses shift lock to switch between live and programming mode. <laughs> so you can you can program what it'll play. Or you can just be in live mode and actually just, like, be pressing the keys, pumping the bellows, and there you go. Nice. Yeah. I love that. Eight, eight and real like time. you heard, it's like all, it's all SID chip sounds, <laughs> right? So it's it's not like you're... It's... Yep, that's what it is. I love it. I love it. Um, it is so awesome. There's some good pictures in the article as well, showing I, like what he's done to put it together. And he there's was like a whole bunch of parts outside that uh, that connect everything together. So it looks like a couple of couple little breadboards that uh, that hook everything up to to do like the final sound. And yeah, it's uh, really neat. What I want to emphasize because it was kind of hard to understand in his in his spiel uh make sure everyone understands is that the key plates that you would play um you'd depress the uh the valves for the accordion on are actually commodore 64 keyboards so he has kind of two keyboards uh one in each i think it's two keyboards one in each hand yeah uh one one's the bread box actually are they both bread box or are they just 
Yeah, they're both bread box. Yeah. Very cool. I thought one I thought one of them at first was a 64C, but no, they're both they're both bread box models just with different key color keycap colors. Cool. Yeah. That's just good good stuff. The function key start playback of a loop pattern programming mode. Okay, okay. Yeah. You can set uh you can set the tempo. Yeah. Very, very, very cool. I love this shit. The old Commodore lives on. Yep. I read <laughs> And it's a lot less it's a lot less freaky than that Furby organ from yep. uh, way back. I'm reading a comment from the website by Anonymous who says, "Wonderful, beautiful. Next project, a C64 bagpipe." <laughs> no, no, that would have that do a Commodore 128 bagpipe. <laughs> bagpipe. Hey babe, you want to see my bagpipe? <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah it brings the ladies in every time it's or makes them run away in terror uh yes what you do is you sing it into an echo yeah. chamber yeah, the, the yeah, no, i got it no cool yeah. i got it. i got the plan hold on Dude, i got the, the plan pipes get the ladies going in the opposite direction you what you do is you set up like a big reflective plate on the other end of the room and then you play it into it so it like bounces off and then it sounds like it's coming from the other direction the ladies will run towards you. Ah, clever. <laughs> Flawless plan. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> what do we have to do here? Uh, I got some tech stuff. We yeah, had hit me. We got a revisit of an old favorite on here, scanofthemonth.com. Yay! There's a new scan up and it's all battery cells. Uh, they have three, yep. three scans. They say batteries, but they're not batteries. Battery is actually a bunch of cells that are connected together. These are just batteries. So that's something most people don't realize. A 9-volt, that's a battery. Your A, AA, AAAs, BCDs, those are all single cell. Yeah, they are single cell, if we're being pedantic. <laughs> Um, and I'm pedantic as fuck. Yeah. So we have some pretty cool cross sections for, taken from a CT scanner of a um, lithium ion battery and some uh, different methods of folding, uh, increasing the the area of the battery by kind of folding layers over and over. Um, and then even the classic AA, they had a uh, just basically a Duracell copper top AA, and uh, they can... You can watch the produced graphics, um, which are, what I mean by that is the ones that have been processed to look really good on a website with, where they have all the colors broken apart and uh, they've done some kind of spiffy stuff to make it presentable, to make it look like it's, um, you know, it's ready to drop into a popular mechanics article. It's got, it's got all the yeah. false color stuff baked in and it looks really good. But the thing I really want to talk about for scanofthemonth.com is they actually finally gave us access to the scans. If you have an account. Yeah, it's a free account, though. I just made an account. You need, like, an email address. And yeah. It, but we, we should just let people know, because I know there are a few paranoid listeners who wouldn't even listen to our podcast if it wasn't for the fact that we don't actually bother, like, with our show stats or anything. Yeah, and we always leave the microphone on your phone off when you play our podcast, so you can rest assured we're not listening to you. The The little applet kind of thing that you get runs in a browser, and it's actually pretty cool. It has dimensional, um, uh, dimensional like, readouts so you can get the actual size of different things. You can get a basically a, a normal kind of color map that looks a little more like a CT scan and you can get the black and white, you know, density. And you, basically you can do the, um, the horizontal slices and the vertical slices and, uh, explore the scan. Uh, and it's actually pretty cool. They, they have some, uh, built in kind of presets, I think of regions of interest and things like that. So you can click a button, get a good view, but if you want to, you can actually zip around this thing and, and, get an understanding of what's inside uh, yourself. And I, I particularly... Now, I've seen that you, you put some photos, uh, some screenshots of this in your notes, which we'll be putting into the official show notes as well, so people can see for themselves 
what it looks like looking at these things in this LumaField app. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call it LumaField. For some reason, Scan of the Month keeps calling it Voyager. I'm not really sure what the difference is. Is one a company and one's a product? Uh, not obvious to me. But the little applet is very functional. It does kind of, at least with my 10 minutes playing with it, it did all of the things that I would expect in a 3D data explorer. And the fact that it can load this data set and display it you know, in a browser is pretty phenomenal. Uh, as someone who's worked with very large data sets you know, to get this level of detail, um, you need a lot of basically voxels. And when you start dealing with data sets like that, they, you know, they get pretty big pretty fast. So it's it actually impressive that everything's working well in the browser. And so obviously there's some tricks they're doing to make this work. They're probably using Canvas. Well, even if you use Canvas, you still have the problem of the amount of data is enormous. And getting That's it to true. Run... Yeah. The, the amount of data is always going to be enormous, but you'll be able to do a better, you'll be able to do uh, things better and with less data having to go over the wire if you're able to send like a three-dimensional data source and then just draw the slices uh, in the browser on a canvas than if you have to have like a whole bunch of individual uh, images for each possible slice. I don't know how big one of these files are, but some of the data sets I worked with were, you know, gigabytes and gigabytes. So I, I used to, one of my first tasks, uh, maybe... Wow, over a decade ago, when I first started, um, I actually had to sparsely load in data files because there wasn't enough RAM on the computer back then. <laughs> now that you have 32 gigabytes, you kind of got enough to work with. But some of these, sometimes when you're doing 3D imaging like this, you just max out, man. Uh, it's it's very underappreciated until you actually start working on it, uh, how, how fast you're... Um, the, uh, yeah, that's not at all surprising. Yeah, how fast these uh, these buffers grow <laughs> and how much RAM just gets eaten. So I don't know. I'm I'm actually really impressed by just the display, not even the scan, like this little piece of software there. And I'm going to have to do some more uh, looking into. But So you bringing up this issue of like the, the amount of memory and storage needed reminds me of something from back when... From back when PNG was first coming out there, and images could be done in such a way that essentially, essentially, the ping would be like uh, multiple multiple images essentially that are like from lower to higher detail. So you'd have like a very base sort of thing, and it would be like every four or eight pixels do the do like a block of this color and then the next bit would be like for every two right and so that way the images could show up uh sooner rather than waiting for the whole thing to appear or showing up like line by line by line and then because your connection is shit you don't get the rest of the picture because like shitty connection shitty dial up right mm -hmm. we're talking like mid 90s here yeah Da, 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 da. Plus, you mentioned you mentioning like you mentioning like having to like essentially stream the data. That's why that's why things like said existed mm -hmm. because that you'd be it simply like you'd have your commands and it would take your commands and it would just run through the file, uh, streaming in and spitting out the the results into standard out. Definitely old stuff that most people don't really need anymore. Uh, pretty much the only reason to use said anymore these days is for scripting purposes. But uh, yeah, I mean, that that sort of thing, like, nobody considers it anymore, but it is some clever shit. Yeah. I'm just doing a little first approximation. They say the resolution of the scanner is uh, 25 microns. And so looking at kind of the volume of a Duracell battery, I'm coming up with well more than um, a million points. I'm actually hitting billions of points. So it's to get the full, you know, 100% detail, this file has got to be a couple gigabytes. Yeah. And which is expected, right? If you run a, a, any of these 3D imaging things, you're talking about, yeah, I'm going to get a 12 gigabyte file at the end. I have to digest. So, or an eight gigabyte file or whatever. So, um, 
Yeah, it's very impressive that they could get it. I want to know what tricks they're doing to make it uh, work. Anyway, that that's the entire probably not give, probably not giving you the full twenty five uh, uh, micron. Uh, yeah, it's you said micron. Yeah, my, it's not giving you the full resolution for sure. Yeah, that's probably it. I'll, I'll maybe after the show I'll, I'll log in and zoom in and see kind of what the uh, actual pixel size or voxel size is. See, see just how ju- see just how zoomed in you can get. Yeah, yeah, zoom in, baby, zoom in more. Yeah, wow. it's time for my close up. Oh. <laughs> Lude. <laughs> All right. Um, there was only one other thing I was going to mention at the top of the show. I I displaced this with the um, the Bogets, uh tragedy, uh, but we had 120 is our episode number today, our encounter number, and uh, I always think of 120 pi, which uh, electrical engineers might recognize as a pretty good approximation of the impedance of free space. Um, they usually say, people will say the impedance of free space is 377 ohms, but it turns out that the old kind of rule of thumb for it is 120 pi. Uh, I don't actually see that in the Wikipedia article, uh, but uh, it's a thing. And in fact, I got really mad uh, along with this uh, Italian professor when I was in Denver. I was at a conference and we were doing all kinds of conference stuff and they had a little trivia for electrical engineers and, and uh, electromagnetics. It was basically a bar trivia night we all went out for and played around. And we had on our – one of the questions was, what's the impedance of free space? And, of course, uh, the, the professor goes, oh, it's 120 pi. You know, he's kind of one of these older school guys. They say, oh, yeah, 120 pi. I love that approximation. So we wrote that down. They marked it wrong. And anyway, <gasps> I'm, I'm still mad about it. We, we didn't get full points for that because uh, whoever was grading – the uh, the scores was less informed than the students. So you know what I just did? I just I just did 120 times pi, and there is actually a significant difference. Yeah, but it's a good approximation. So what's, what's in the art? What's in the article says 376.730313668, and then oh, in parentheses. Stop, Cole. You need to stop because I'm going to point out that they marked 377 correct. And ours is closer. It's a better approximation. I know it's not the same, but it's, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's, it was an annoyance. Well, let's see, let's see just how many actually, actual pies there are in this. (laughs) Oh, boy. by pi, and we get... 119.9169832653 119.9169832654 pies. So the, it's not 120 pi, but it's a lot more than 119 pi. Yeah. So on the next episode of Rare Encounter, we're going to teach cold acid what approximation means. Uh, Fuck approximation. Not, not, I'm a pedant. <laughs> There's no exact value. The um or at least the exact value is not a rational number. Well, we had but some... But what kind of numbers are rational anyways? Oh, uh, loser numbers. Yeah. Like those stupid integers. Look at me, I'm a fraction. Ugh. I'm a... <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. This is... I worry sometimes when we go into that stuff that we're just like... Our listeners are dropping like flies. Um... Well, that's why we got to liven it up with uh, us being idiots whenever we do math. All right, I got to liven it up. I've got some clips for you. Excellent. Hit me with some clips. All right, we got some stories about cheating with fish. Have you ever cheated with a fish? No, but... Have you ever uh, thought of cheating with a fish? There was this... There was this dolphin once who was really making eyes at me. Oh, uh, it was a winky-winky dolphin, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you can't see both sides of the dolphin at the same time, so you can't tell if it's blinking or winking. I'm just letting you know it's a rookie mistake. All right, here's fish cheating one. <laughs> it helps if you turn the volume up. Here we go. It James does. Kaminsky, Jake Runyon, weighing a big fish, our current team of the year. If you believe those who were there, this is the moment a lot of eyebrows started to go up. Anglers Jacob Runyon and Chase Kaminsky leading yet another fishing tournament. Your new leaders, locking it in, team of the year, definitely team of the year champions. They even headed up to take their pictures at the Lake Erie Walleye Fishing Competition, ready to claim almost 30 grand in prize money. 
But watch closely when just moments later, the event's organizer, Jason Fisher, decides to check the belly of one of those fish. Hold on a second. There we go. Step it on the punchline. It's, uh, it's, the guy it's, who's running this is named Fisher. Yes, his name's Fisher. Okay, can I play it? Can I play the punchline? Yes, continue. Okay. It's to check the belly of one of those fish. We got weights and fish! There we oh, go! Then that was it. They had weights in the fish! Yep, that's cheating. That's cheating. So they had weights in the fish. They had, like, bits of fish fillet inside, so they didn't just put weight in the fish. They put fish in the fish. That's they, meta. They, <laughs> yes, it was. And so this guy, there's like, they've got the fish inside a milk crate, and they're on the ground. He gets out his knife, and he slices the fish down the middle, guts the fish, and uh, opens it up. Re- he just reaches his hand inside. He pulls out these golf ball-sized chunks of lead. <laughs> and the the reaction from it is, we got weights in the fish! We got weights in fish! There we go! Oh! Yeah. <laughs> It was pretty, pretty dramatic. The, and the the cheaters are like standing right there. The whole crowd turns on them. Uh, this was uh, in Ohio, actually, just just to pull it uh, together. Just down the road from you. Yeah, this was the Lake Erie Walleye Tournament. Um, and, uh, you know, there's consequences for this stuff. I think I've got clip two. And it's going to talk about some of what's uh, happening next. Turns out it's not the first time Runyon and Kaminsky have been suspected of cheating. Last year, they were disqualified from another championship after one of them failed a polygraph. Ohio's Department of Natural Resources... I'm sorry, I just want to point out, he got polygraphed over a fish. ...a statement saying they've collected evidence and are preparing a report for prosecutors. Fishing is supposed to be a gentleman's sport where you are supposed to be honest. And for these guys to come in and do this was just absolutely reprehensible. Yep, there you go. Reprehensible cheating with the fish. Yep. They had, there was a cash prize there, so it's not a trivial thing, you know, and they, people think they've been cheating for a while too, but they got caught red-handed, and uh, it's pretty, pretty damning. You know, the guy, now he opens- they're facing uh, criminal charges. Yep. They're, yeah, as, as this article, as this NBC article says, they're on the hook for multiple crimes. Yeah. I cut all of those out. At the end of the article, there's they cut back to the newsroom and there's like, well, they did it for the halibut. <laughs> you know, it, it's just and then they didn't do a, it for the halibut. They did it for the twenty eight grand. They yeah, I know. It, this is like the lamest fish punch. Whoa, the scales of justice are turning. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? They're all bad. They are all well, bad. of course. They're puns. They're supposed to be bad. They're just angling the for a worse, laugh. the better. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it was. The thing is, it's like the 10 news models sitting around a desk making jokes someone else, someone else wrote for them. It was particularly uh, annoying. You can't say that somebody else necessarily wrote them for them. Some of those, some of those talking heads may be fathers. You know, Cold Acid, I'm starting to suspect that someone else writes your jokes for you. What? No. Do you have a, do you have a ghost writer? Do you have something to no. tell me? No. I might have a goat. A goat? A goat rider. <laughs> Negative goat rider. The pattern is <laughs> Oh, no. It's a goat. Well, <laughs> that's your fish cheating. That, that's your fish cheating. They had weights in the fish. Uh, and uh, that's what you need to know. Uh, there was one other cheating scandal I wanted to give an update on. I don't know how long to dwell on this, but we mentioned a couple episodes uh, about chess cheating. Yes, we did. And uh, there's some interesting developments with that story. Uh, there's some uh, uh, Hans Nyman. Now, is is that the correct way to say his name? Nyman? Nyman, possibly. Is this guy uh, who, who's been on the news. They keep saying, oh, he put a, he put a vibrator up his butt. He's cheating at chess. And I, I came out a little while ago saying, I don't see the evidence of this um, in anything that was published so far. And the the remedies for him are very um very few so if someone comes out and they defame you whether it's true or not uh there's not a lot you can do if they have the big megaphone and they have you know the entire microphone and you can't go in uh in the get on the news and say your piece um it turns out which is one of the reasons why when you win a defamation lawsuit 
not only not only do they have to pay you out a bunch, but they also have to spend even more of their money to put the word out that they had been lying ba- bastards. So this is a uh, interesting development. Hans Nyman is ch- suing um, Chess.com and Magnus Carlson, who's associated with Chess.com, um, for libel. For and and the amount is one hundred million dollars. Uh, so the BBC has reported on this. There's a couple other places that have reported on this. It's not clear what the argument that he's going to mount is. Um, I haven't. Uh, it, it's something that I definitely want to follow. Uh, what I did do is because this became more interesting all of a sudden. I want. I wanted to go into. Uh, the chess.com, they call it the Nyman report. It's like a 72 page report of all of the cheating and how, how they think he's been cheating for years on hundreds of games and, and everything. And I, I felt it was pretty underwhelming. Um, a lot of the evidence is basically we said so, or our experts think that he did, even when they go back and say a statistical analysis, uh, was performed. What, they really mean is well the statistical analysis uh was uh was the input to some other process so what they did is they had a statistical analysis and then that got routed to some local some experts that they had on staff who then made human judgment determinations if they thought it was likely cheating or not and so they're using this statistical analysis as a little bit of a shield to hide the fact that the or just to to get a step away from the fact that uh, essentially, the determination essentially, was, essentially an appeal to math fallacy. Yeah, be, the decisions were actually made by humans, and it's not clear that Chess.com, when they had these review processes, so, so the first off is all the games they said he cheated in were games that were hap- that had already been played a long, long time ago on Chess.com. That's why they had all the move sets in there, and they didn't detect cheating while he was doing it. They spend the first couple uh, sections of the report just saying Chess.com is the most advanced fair play engine in the world, and we have the best engine detection and. Um, uh, and and we just stopped cheating, but they couldn't catch him. Uh, so what what they did is decided to reprocess all of his games and redo the analysis. But it's not clear that they blinded the judges. So they didn't say, for example, if the question is, would a person make this move or a computer make this move? Which, by the way, is is totally an opinion. Um, what you're what they're trying to do is figure out would Hans Nyman make this move or would a, a reasonable chess player, a really good chess player make this? Well, I don't know. What they're what they're essentially uh doing is letting biased judges unless there's something more that they haven't disclosed, where they said, Oh, actually all of our judges, they don't know who's playing the game. They don't know about the controversy at the time they reviewed it. You know, the those would have been good statements to make. But that's not in evidence either. It seems like they had the Chess.com guys don't like him. Um, they make a big fuss about, oh, oh, our CEO never told us. The guy he beat, the the guy he beat in chess um, in an over-the-board game where he was um, just playing over a chessboard in a, in a supervised tournament, um, they don't claim he cheated on that. In fact, they have a statistical analysis of all his board games, which you can take or leave. Um, because of the problems when they say a statistical analysis. They, they actually mean a couple other things. But even with their flawed methods, or what I would call flawed methods, um, or maybe I shouldn't say flawed, I should say less than satisfying to me methods, um, they even conclude that he didn't cheat at any over-the-board game, including the one that he was accused by Magnus Carlsen of cheating in. Yeah, so the- I, think he has a, I think he has a solid case. And... And even even if chess.com did come out and say, oh, yeah, we we did all of this blind or double blind. Like at this point, when once you publish the report, you can't just go and say after the fact, oh, yeah, we we actually did these things in our methodology. We just didn't say so before, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. even if even if it's the truth, it comes out as a total lie. Yeah, and it's a bad report. You know, the only reason you make a 72-page report is so that no one reads it. It's poorly written. The description of the statistical processes as they went through are, is not rigorous. They're Essentially, they're talking about histograms, but they never even use the word histogram um, in, in their descriptions of it. They don't talk about probability density functions. You know, it's like they're talking about the humps have a certain shape, and it's a is it a one hump or a two? You know, it's, it's very yeah, this is This is school. where... 
Yeah, this is where lies, damned lies, and statistics comes into play. Because, I mean, yeah, you can you can figure out a lot using statistics, but when you're using them like this, you're obfuscating things more than anything. You're you're essentially cooking books to make things look like what you want them to look like rather than what they actually are. Yep. And and so they have a report. They have their 100 games or whatever they said they cheated in. Somehow he's supposed to... I don't know how you'd respond to that. If you played a game of chess um, three years ago and they said, hey, you know, we think you made this this super move right here that you shouldn't have been able to make. It's it's You, you just never would have done that. And, we, and you need to explain your reasoning to... Uh, to uh, justify whether that, that you weren't cheating. And, you know, there's no way you could do that. How are you supposed to remember what you were thinking back then? This guy Here's plays... Here's another thing, too. It's not, like, chess. Like, there are some, there are some like, arcane uh, edge rule rules in the game, right? Edge case rules. <laughs> but for the most part, it is a very simple game. And so, despite the fact that a lot of players will use the same sort of opening moves and same sort of mid-game moves does not necessarily mean those are optimal at any time. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the idea that, oh, somebody is making strange moves, they must be cheating, is fallacious in itself. So here's how the the detection works. They outline it a little bit. They have a chess engine which is a neural network-based chess engine. Um, because of course. Because of course. And what that means is it doesn't have a reason why it thinks a move is good. It just knows a go- a, oh, it's good. And they compare the moves of a player to the moves of the chess engine, and they're looking for the player matching the moves. And if they find correlations between it, then it gets flagged. And if they review that with their expert panel and say, oh, be- because, right, you could correlate well with a... Um, chess engine if the chess engine was kind of playing a vanilla game and you were you know sometimes a move is just an obvious move and sometimes it's not and i think that's why you need the human review is because the neural network doesn't say this is the best move and a normal person wouldn't come up with it or would come up like it can't make the determination of what a human might may or may not do that's all subjective and so you know the whole thing kind of stinks um i'm still it, it sounds like there's a chance that he had cheated at some point because they have a confession from when I was 16, I used a chess engine, but then everyone did that. You know, MSN Gaming Zone Chess, it was like that a long time ago. It's so obvious and easy how to do that. You know, it's um, it's uh, almost a given that you're going to find someone who's done it uh, in their career at least a couple times just to, you know, see how it was, see see what it was like. Um, no, some people some people have fun like launching two different chess programs on their computer and then like playing each other's moves back and forth. There's another aspect to this which I want to bring up, which is that computer chess and over the board chess really aren't the same game. Um, computer chess is kind of a jokey fake thing uh, that you can't trust. And ever since MSN Gaming Zone, I've basically back in the days when you started realize, oh, they're using Grandmaster Chess, and so I'm not playing a person. I'm just playing, you know. I'm playing someone's computer program and they're just trying to increase in rank, right? Ever since it became obvious that that was possible, the idea of computer chess really became laughable. Like, it's not... It's it's fake chess. And, and all of this investment chess.com has in cheat detection and fair play engines um, is... Well, I'm sure have, I'm sure they spend a lot of money on trying to figure it out, but it doesn't seem like a problem that you could really solve. The... We, where I could easily just have another computer next to me, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to have webcams watching people. They're just trying, if you're just trying to find if you're using an engine with a move, um, by looking at the move set, what if you only made one cheating move or what if you just had it side by side and you were looking to see if you were really in deep water and only using the engine when you needed to get out of it? You know, there's so many different yeah, aspects. You'd need eye tracking in the cameras for to be able to pick that up. Well, they do stuff like that too. They they mention, oh, well, we saw it. What looked like switching behavior. What do they mean by that? Switching tabs. Oh, it looked like he might have switched to another computer because he stopped moving his mouse for a minute. You know, it's like, come on, guys. What if you had a friend next to you running it? Like, it, the 
the obvious they, yeah some, problems. Some, somebody is somebody is there's a friend on the other side of the computer and he's signaling he's using smoke signals to, <laughs> to communicate to him so he knows what moves to make the problems with fair playing computer chess especially with strangers over the internet are so obvious and there is no one who's presented any evidence that they can be overcome. I don't consider computer chess to be real chess. It's over, chess is over the board. And it's in the same room where you know you're playing someone and just be Even if it, you are playing a computer. Yeah, even if you are playing a beep boop robot doing digital polka. <laughs> <laughs> a little callback, I guess. Cyber polka. Cyber polka. So anyway, I've been ranting about chess. Um, there's more to it. It... Th- it's an interesting report. I'm not coming out and saying he's definitely innocent of everything. What I'm saying is that this chess.com shit stinks. And uh, the the kind of stuff that was being accused of him, like he had a he had a vibrator up his butt and he was cheating that way. That's not... That was the funniest thing. Well, that but, was the most yeah, defaming I mean, thing. Thinking about it, thinking about it, like, how would that even really work? Like, are you are you like morse coding like so that your ass vibrate your ass gets vibrated like which is the beeps and which is the boops so chess, right like, there's there's a history of chess cheating and there's a book on it that i'm gonna get um when i when i bring it in i'll but chess cheating with vibrators this is the kind of cheating that's been that's been seen in chess where they would have the coach you know, they have a signal, you know, they get fed during the match or something like that. So he gets a pudding or uh, or a yogurt. And I think it was, if he got a blueberry yogurt, then it meant offer a draw. And if he got a raspberry yogurt, it meant you're doing well, <laughs> right? And so the midway- Yeah, but that's, point, not, that's you know, not the same as like, make these particular moves, right? It's, right? Like, that's not even, that's not even the level of like baseball signals. Not even close to that. Like, that- that I couldn't even see really as as cheating where it's just like something like that. No, with this whole thing too, like the the ass vibrator thing, it's like it's like, you know, the what they're saying is like he has been using something to to determine what actual moves to make. It's not something like, oh, you're doing good or try and try and draw out the game or anything like that. It's no, move this piece here, move that piece there. Most so in the this book, which I've read a couple pages of by now, I'm, I'm gonna have it come in the mail. It describes the need for chess engines for someone who's a plays chess at a very high level does not get move for move suggestions. And in fact, that's just kind of stupid. No one does that. It's you need to cheat at like one critical point, one or two brings your rank up by by hundreds of points. Um, just hints for one or two moves is all they're talking about for cheating. So even the landscape of what does cheat chess cheating look like at a high level is different than what chess.com's uh, parent uh, uh, engine is detecting. They're detecting basically kitties with a open one of these free open source chess uh, grandmaster engines. And just, you know, oh, I set the, the, pl- the game up as the opposite color and I do whatever the computer does, you know. It's very... Um, this is all very annoying, I think. Yeah. Honestly, this topic is got me annoyed now. Let's let's pull these queens out of our asses and move on to something else. Yeah, let's move on. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. There's only so much my banana can take. All right, what do we got next? Ah, uh, medieval pigs. Hey, pigs. Hey, pigs. How's oink, it going? Oink, oink, oink. Yeah, so... So apparently there is a problem in video games with pigs. Mm-hmm. That is to say that games which take place in like medieval medieval times are are not accurate. They are anachronistic. Okay. So apparently, apparently in the Middle Ages and even into the early modern age. You didn't have these big, fat, short-legged, pink, th- hairless things. You had, you had what essentially looked like uh, wild hogs today. They had tusks. They had, they had like 
sharp, spiky hair. They had long legs and were a lot thinner. It sounds like a punk music band. I'm just saying. Hey, so. just, well, you know, the long legs and the short, spiky hair. It is. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I yeah, yeah. Go. Come on. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, apparently, apparently, like, this article I found goes on about, like, descriptions of pigs and how, like, <laughs> pigs were actually pigs were actually treated so it's not like you have like the modern pig styes that they that they show in the games no you somebody would actually like bring all the village pigs out to wander around and root through the through the forests for for their food right so like a swine herd right like you know about shepherds sheep herders right mm-hmm. there were swine herders as well and you didn't have like your you didn't have your pigs on just standing around or lying around in the farm you don't like you don't have the sheep just lying around like that no you they go out and you would you would graze the pigs oh and uh right and the games they all show like hey here's all your pigs on a farm in a sty no no that's not how it was back then jeez so this is a indictment yeah. of video game pigs. Yes. <laughs> well, they do. They do point out that, uh, for example, Kingdom Come Deliverance had the pigs at least visually uh, accurate. So they weren't. They were, or at least partially accurate. But they were still on a farm rather than being herded through areas for, uh, like. Like they would do, right? Mm-hmm. So there you go, right? <laughs> How about video game odd? developers? If you're listening to this podcast and you're making games that take place in the Middle Ages, stop doing the pigs wrong. Stop doing the pigs wrong, man. Those hogs deserve better. Yeah. Well, speaking of hogs, we got some stuff to do before we wrap up. We've got some uh, podcast. Last I last I checked though, Hog Story, I didn't see the newest episode posted. I was looking for Pain Tomato, but I saw last week's episode. I know they had it a I know they had an episode, but um Behind the Schemes had the episode 122, The Green Room Goat Massacre, and they start the show just by killing goats. Right at the start. <coughs> it's like that with more splatter. Uh and ah. then the, the I don't have a splatter sound effect. Yep. <laughs> I don't, I, I could go look for one. We're going to find, you know, do you want me to look for it? Let's see, splatter, splat, liquid water, splat, splatter, splat. How about this? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a ghost. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's some pulled pork there. Uh, we had Dad's Anime Podcast, which uh, comes out on Saturdays pretty regularly, actually. Uh, episode 88. Mew makes AI art. Call of the Night Spoiler Chat. Uh, it's a good good show that actually talks about anime, un- unlike us. And then... Yeah, uh, to, who to, just pretend to. To round us off, we have two 200s. We've got, of course, uh, Bowl After Bowl, episode 200, Ho Ballerina, uh, with Lorian and Spencer, and they did a good, I think it was three and a half hours? Very... <laughs> like, yeah, they, they really made the, the most of this thing. And uh, did their 200th episode, uh, reminisced a little bit about how they started and some highlights. And uh, it was a fun listen. I could not get through all three hours before this uh, show, but it, uh, from what I heard, it was very good. They also, I just want to mention, had a really cool interview um, with this, um, what was his name? Pew Commander or something? He had a business where he... 3D prints firearms and deals with 3D printed firearms, and they interviewed him about 3D printed firearms. It was very cool. Cool. Uh, Last but uh, certainly not least, we've got Grumpy Old Ben's episode 200, Ranked Choice Podcasting. Woohoo! And they were just making noise, moving around, and having a lot of fun. Uh, They recorded today, live today. I kept jumping on the No Agenda stream trying to find them. I guess I was too early and too late because I couldn't catch them live. But uh, I'm glad to see the episodes up. Episode 200, Ranked Choice Podcasting. And I think we even have Darren O'Neill hanging out in the chat, moving around, doing things. There's Ben Rose saying, next you're going to tell me that the pigs aren't totally realistic in Minecraft. That's what Sir Ben Rose uh, sounds like. They aren't. 
Just stop doing the pigs. That's called bestiality, says Sir Bemrose. Yes. Well, that's our anime wrap-up. Uh, we got a couple boostograms during the show, which I can read off really fast. I think we got one, two, uh, just two of them here, uh, if you don't mind. We've got... Read them! 9,999 sats from Carolyn came in and said, I propose a Commodoreian polka with a Furby organ. Yes or yes? Ooh. Yes! Yes! That's a... Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. No, no, you got, you got to do it. You got it. What's it, what's his name? The, the from that cartoon, baby. The, the, he looks. He, he kind of looks like he kind of looks like a uh, uh, younger, softer Duke Nukem, <laughs> but without the weapons. Do the monkey what's with me? Cartoon? Come on, that was Johnny Bravo. Johnny Bravo. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and Tom Kenny was in that. Uh, go listen. Go watch that show, and you'll hear. Tom Kenny, as I think his neighbor is Carl, Tom, played by Tom Kenny, who we all know best as uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. So, it, same voice. <laughs> uh, last one was 8,888 sats from Carolyn, who says, Boosting for fish fillets, and the guy is named after fish or fisher? This clip is great. Well, Carolyn, uh, thank you for that. I have some news for you, though. Unfortunately, we've had our inspectors in here and we found there are weights in the fish we got weights in fish there we go (laughs) (laughs) but there's no weights in the boostergrams there's no weights in the boostergrams they're all full valued and just without waiting at all booberry jumps in with 7777 sats and says you'll never boost me alive pigs (laughs) i'm booberry (laughs) i do reenactments No, thank you, Burberry. Thank you, Carolyn, for those. Thanks, uh, boobs. And thanks, Carolyn. Absolutely. Um, and with that, I think we've arrived. I think I think we got. I mean, we started a little late. I think we got time for one more story. You 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 brought you brought in a link that had to do with potatoes, and you know that means we've got to cover it. <sighs> okay, this. I'm not a- gonna play. I'm not gonna play the clip. But like, what is this about? Uh pathogens in my potatoes uh, yeah no this was a new antibiotic that was discovered while um studying bacterium in potatoes and ah. it was reported by potatopro.com that's where i learned about it i of course uh subscribe to the potatopro.com newsletter also for those who aren't in the know rare encounter is actually registered as a potato company <laughs> with some of these sites so it's uh it's interesting i don't know what that gets us but we are a officially a potato company <laughs> we're a potato podcast so they i'll give you the the really quick synopsis um a lot of antibiotics are discovered or some of them i should say are discovered in microbes where they um just find that something has maybe an antifungal property or uh you know the the microbe seems to be having a positive effect maybe except for the fact that that the microbe is doing other things in this case they had a microbe that was causing um a a lot of these are diseases that i can't pronounce and they had isolated it, but they noticed it had some antifungal properties and some um, some other interesting stuff that was going on with it. And so they did a little engineering, and they turned off using a tech. I don't. They didn't describe exactly what technique they used, but they said they've edited the gene of this to turn off the um, the part of the uh, bacterium that was producing uh, a harmful chemical. Is Ocidin A. I, I can't pronounce these things. And they said, yeah, it still worked. So they're uh, cool. they're researching it as an antibiotic that uh, can stop certain kinds of molds and certain kinds of uh, other other things you might. Well, not they've want. given it they've given it the right name for that, solanomycin. <laughs> solanomycin. Yeah, because because the the solan part comes from like the Latin for potato, right? Mm. And then mycin for like fungus killer yeah it's the best new antibiotic in town solaramycin mm-hmm. i did not put that together thank you cold acid for the etymology of this uh antibiotic yeah maybe it'll be in the next the next drug you take might be have solanomycin better better that than the than the vax yeah the parasite well what was that uh drug the uh it's kind of a joke drug with a long name yeah i'm on paracetamoxy fruzy bender neemycin they take two a day <laughs> it keeps me happy oh my god 
Well, if you're on Paracetamoxie, Fruzy, Bender, and Eomycin, then uh, you can get really high and listen to Rare Encounter. And that's what I recommend. Yeah, listen to us. Even send us a boost. Send us a message. Woo! Well, until next time, I've been Abel Kirby. Boost. I've been Cold Acid. <laughs> Stay fruity, boys. Boost. Adios. I had a good woman. But she lay down, honey, and died. Oh, I had a good woman. But she lay down and died. Don't you know everybody tell me she wasn't satisfied?